0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to On The Reg with Reggie. I'm your host, Reggie. (laughs) Oh man, it's uh, been a while since 2020 to be exact. It is now February in 2021, Black History Month, if you didn't know. Um, And I'm so glad to be back. I feel a little more rejuvenated. I needed time to um, do some self-care and just calm my spirit and i feel better about where i'm at today's guest is a hometown hero she's an activist she's an actress performer director um, and just has experienced so much life in the time that she's been here Um, it's really a privilege to have her here and to have some real frank discussion but also personal reconciliation Um, So, Natalie, thank you so much for being a part of the show and uh, sharing your time and talents and stories with us. Natalie will also be teaching an acting through song um, webinar with her friend Diamond Essence White. Uh, That will be Saturday, March 6th at 12 p.m. You can get tickets online. I'll drop the link in the description box and uh, hopefully we'll get to see you there. Um, well, without any further ado, let's get into it. Enjoy. So first off, thank you so much for, uh, joining me on the podcast today, Natalie. It's, it's a pleasure to actually have you here. And, um, I'm really appreciative for us being able to kind of just get together and, uh, speak together as professionals and peers and, um, you know, share our stories and share stories before we enter into March where we both will be teaching or leading a webinar. And, um, I'm super excited about that. Uh, STC is super excited about that. And we're, we're excited to have you, especially because you are, um, a hometown hero and it's really, really cool to be able to have this interview with you. So thank you so much for doing this.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. So, um, Natalie, I have a, a couple of questions that I, um, prepared for you um but first and foremost i wanted to just ask you um you know just how how you're doing despite covid happening and and what that's been like for you uh just adjusting
1: yeah um despite covid and everything you know it was hard in the beginning of the pandemic just because as actors, we didn't know what was going on. We were told it's going to be like a couple weeks, maybe. Then it became a couple months. Mm-hmm. And then now here we are damn near a year later. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I've been able to do some things. I've done, you know, some commercials, still voiceovers. But musical theater, which is my first love, I really haven't been able to do. Um, I was in some choirs singing with that stuff. Not been able mm-hmm. to do just any live performance I haven't been able to do, which has really been heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, and that that's so difficult. Um, even for community theaters, we're feeling it certainly out here. Um, mm-hmm. The last project that I was able to do, um, we still had to adhere to social distancing and um, that was for um, Spirit of Lincoln. Um, but we still had to do social distancing and we pre-recorded everything and um, got tested and went through the whole shebang. But even that was like, it wasn't the same because you don't have that audience interaction. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
0: Of course, you know what I mean? You, you live this. <laughs> 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 So you mentioned that musical theater was your first love and um and tell me about that how did you how did you get into musical theater what came first the the singing or the acting or was it just like a simultaneous thing
1: Yeah I would say the singing came first I grew up singing in church my parents uh both pastors and then my mom got me Annie the the like the movie on VHS which I would watch over and over and then they were doing Annie at the Muni in 1998 I think it was and I remember my friend was talking about auditioning for it and I was like oh my gosh mom they're doing Annie that's my favorite show like musical like can I please be in it you know I didn't really understand what exactly was happening I just knew that I wanted to be an Annie Mm -hmm. Um, and then I auditioned for Annie at the Muni and literally the rest is history from there and I've never looked back
0: That's amazing. Um, Do you sometimes, (laughs) I I feel like I go through these periods where I look back on the first show that I did and I just kind of like, wow, I just marvel at like how much time has passed between then, how many roles, how many shows, how many people I've met. I just marvel at it all because it is, it's almost humbling to just look back and see where it all started, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I always look back and, um, marvel at how it started because by that chance that my mom bought me that vhs for me to watch annie and audition and get cast you know because when i was a kid i didn't care i just i was going my feelings weren't going to be hurt if i didn't make it because to me me even doing the audition and going to the callbacks like that was so fun i was Hmm. filled with that so to know that um i i when i found out i did make it you know and now looking back i'm just like that's, you know, such my higher power. I believe in God, but that I made that mm-hmm. because from like, from that moment, it literally like got me into musical theater. And I don't know if I would have ever found my way into musical theater if it wasn't for that musical.
0: Right. And that's <laughs> I have to laugh because I've done Annie before. Um, <laughs> and Annie is one of those shows that I'm just like, oh gosh, again, like <laughs> you yeah. Know? And um, you know, obviously it's a very important staple in American musical theater, but there's a lot that comes with that show that's just like, oh my gosh, this is so cliche. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it's one of those things that a lot of people um, who are not theater people look at Annie or see Annie or watch Annie and they're just like, oh, okay, I guess, you know, it it gets a little bit of a a bad rap, but um, there's so much so much happening in that show that it's just like it's hard not to find something that is enjoyable whether it's like um the orphans or uh miss hannigan or you know whatever yeah. whatever it is um so aside from doing that audition and then landing that role in the muni were there any other like really standout moments for you as far as like musical theater goes like where you may have been just like, Oh, I don't know if this is for me. And then all of a sudden it's just like, no, this is, this is what I'm built for.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I would say when I got the role of Effie White, I've done it three times now. Um, I did it in Springfield first. And that was a turning point for me because Effie White is a beast of a character. Absolutely. After, um, how old was I? I was 21, I think. 22 maybe when I first played it I was young I can't remember exactly how old I was but to play that role vocally at that point in my life you know and before then, I really hadn't had too many lead roles in Springfield and I kind of was just like is this even for me you know because mm-hmm. I wasn't getting cast um and I mean I was getting cast like in the ensemble but I wasn't getting roles I wasn't getting solos and it just made me question like is this career really for me and then when I ended up getting Effie that's also another higher power moment where I was just like, Oh my gosh, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to make audiences laugh. I want to make them cry. I want to make them feel, I want to make them understand what I'm going through and mm. playing Effie, playing Effie White literally changed that for me because not only did I know, find out that I was capable of sustaining that role, you know, for two weekends in a row, which since then I have, I, I did the show for eight weeks with no understudy. And then third
0: time I did it for six weeks with no understudy. Um, and that's insane. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's really, really awesome. But like, yeah. Should not be keys. done that way. <laughs> <laughs> you should have an understudy. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you you handled your business and that's that's, yes. that's the other side of being in exactly what you are supposed to be doing is that you can handle your own, you know? And I, mm-hmm. I, I truly appreciate that, especially artists because- you know, you put so much into it. I don't think people realize that you're not just putting your voice and and um, your body into this. You are putting every ounce of energy, every ounce of spirit that you have into that role if you're doing it right. If you're really trying yeah. to be um, a conduit or a channel for, you know, your higher power, whether that's God or, or you just call it love, whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, if you're really actively trying to be clear so... Um, that the message shines through, it's, you're using all of you and it's, it's non-negotiable. And I, you know, you're an act, you're an actress, <laughs> you get it. And, um, we could probably talk about that for hours, just <laughs> the process of like, you know, building, building a character and investing your soul and your spirit into to that story and, um, the physical labor that comes with that. But <laughs> I don't want to take this, too far into that lane. Um, I do want to get back to Effie White because that sounds like such an incredible experience because, you know, you, like you said, you make people laugh, you make people cry and um, people end up cheering for Effie by the end of the show, if not throughout the entire show, you know? Yeah. Um, so you said you've done it three times. Yes. And I don't know about you, very seldom do I get to do roles again mm-hmm. or do shows again. But whenever I do get the opportunity to repeat a role, I feel like there's something else that jumps out that may have been missed or was just different at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just could you tell us about what that's like, like for you? What the, Was there any differences in those three uh, different occurrences of you being F.U. White? Was there anything that really was just different for you?
1: yeah so when I played um Effie White the first time let me actually get the exact age so I played it in 2000 and the movie came out I believe in 2006 um Mm. yeah so oh I think I was 19 yeah I was 19 when I played it then 19 or 20 and um yeah and so playing it then I understood Effie, but I, I didn't understand her. Like that was like my most, just, I had seen the movie. So I knew that I like understood the struggle of Effie in the sense of like, she um, is kind of pushed back because she's, you know, bigger and she has a bigger voice and they want like a different sound to cross over the pop charts, that kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And she has her whole changing moment, but I just kind of, not walk through the motions, but essentially, yes, I walked through the motions, but I, I felt it the way I could as a 19 year old. Then the next time I played it was sure. in, was in 2014, which was seven years ago. I was 26. And that I actually played Effie um, six months into me first becoming sober. So, okay. and I also had just had surgery on my vocal cords. As you know, I had to wow of words because of some things that I had done while drinking, so it was just like not only a wake up call, but it just taught me so so much. Um, playing it that second time because mm. I was like, Here I am, where I literally have been at my bottom. You know, I, I was six months sober, I think, at that point. I had just had surgery on my throat, so I'm like, Yo, I'm at the rock bottom, the most bottom I can be at when I played it, um, and I just really understood her pain at that moment, Mm -hmm. Um, and I understood her changing, but the third time I played Effie, I was 30 years old, I believe, 30 or 31, and um, at that point, like, to say I understand Effie would be an understatement, like, I truly was finding nuances, moments where I was like, yo, I know, I really understand what it's like to just come in somewhere thinking that you're the hot, you know, the hot mess, the hot biz, not listening to people, not doing what's required of you. And the, the last time I played it, it was like I was even taking some fault in Effie because I'm like, she just comes in thinking that she owns everything and she just let it get to her head and do too much. And I mean, mm-hmm. and I have done that in my own life and having to change is very, very, very hard. And then having people take you seriously when you change is also right. very, very, very hard. So this last time I played Effie, it was like on a whole new level. So if I play her again, I don't know where I'll go from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, that honestly is a word because you said something that um, I kind of want to hit up on. Is just mm-hmm. uh, um, allowing people the chance to grow and change. Yeah. Um, and... It's very easy to make snap judgments, snap decisions. You know, I myself have made snap judgments. You and I have had um, our own chat and we've reconciled and come to an understanding. Mm -hmm. Um, And I appreciate you for that. I really do appreciate you. Um, But in the sense of where we are right now, as far as, you know, we're adults. We've come out of a rotten four years. You know, there's a, a reconciliation that needs to happen, but also a confrontation, I guess. Um, and I'm getting a little bit off topic, but I just wanted to to speak to the word of allowing people the opportunity um, to change, because if there's effort actually be made, these people deserve to to pick themselves up from mm-hmm. that rock bottom, you know. And because the, the fact of the matter is, we all need each other. Yeah. And. Um, it's hard to remember that, especially when you feud or someone um, disappoints you or you're disappointed in them or they're disappointed in you rather. And um, it's easy to just hold those those negative vibrations, those negative emotions in that same space mm-hmm. and then not dealing with them and then staying there.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, what I really appreciate about you is that along with this journey that you're taking, you've been very vocal about Picking yourself up out of that place and that place that you were, and um, even though we aren't as as uh, I don't know you very well, you know I don't I certainly haven't talked to you um, every day or or as closely as some of my other theater friends, but uh, we've known each other from afar, and I've I've just seen so much growth from you um, within the past few years, so. Um, One thing that I wanted to talk about, and this is a little awkward because I just like did this little segue and now I'm doing another segue, but that's how we roll on this show. (laughs) Um, One thing that I wanted to ask you about is, you know, this journey through sobriety, how, what has it been like through quarantine? Because I know a lot of people have been feeling isolated and, and, you know, really trying to cope with that, but this is a a different level you know you really want to to stay connected with your people but also you don't want to um be in the same places that you were before obviously too so there's there's pros and cons to this obviously but you know what's that been like and i you know feel free to just talk about your journey i don't want to have you speak for just everybody
1: yeah no um my journey in sobriety uh in the beginning of the pandemic was hard as you know, there was nothing to do. And when I say there was nothing to do, there was nothing to do. Um, And when there's nothing to do, you just look at other alternatives. You know, everyone on Facebook is getting drunk and Mm -hmm. doing all these fun things or doing these drugs. And I'm sitting here like, I can't even walk outside because I live in New York city. And at that point, everyone was like a little scared to even go outside or, you know, if I was going to travel home, I had missed that window. I didn't want to get my family sick. So I just was kind of like zooming people and stuff. But even then they're all having like happy hours and doing these things. Right. It was super hard. And I got super depressed in the beginning and, you know, like my hair was falling out and it was, it was very stressful. It was a lot, but um, you know, I pushed through and, it was fine, and then like later in the pandemic, as a lot of people know, my mom contracted COVID and passed away due to complications of COVID. Which I'm then, so sorry about that. Thank you. Um, once again, turned my world upside down in the middle of a pandemic. As I wasn't able to see my mom before she died. The last time I saw her was in, um, the beginning of August. And even if I had come home, they weren't going to let me up in the hospital. All I could right. do was Facetime her. I did. Get, I did get to Facetime with her, but. I didn't get to be in the hospital with her. I didn't get to do any of that. And, you know, um, to be quite honest, which I'm, I'm very honest on all platforms is it's, you know, it's made me want to drink. It's made me want to pick up again. And if there was ever a day through this whole pandemic that I did almost pick up was the day I found out she died. Um, not that it was like out of the thin air, but it kind of was. And it just, you know, that was probably one of the hardest days of my life. And sure, um, that was a moment where had I not had people in my life who came to my rescue at that moment, I probably would have drank again. But I also know that's not what my mom would want. And if I want to continue with this career, because, you know, everything, I mean, they say everything that goes up will come down. And in this the way I'm saying it this time is like, even though everything that's going up right now is crazy, it's a mess. Um, it's eventually going to come down. It's all going to go back to normal. And if I throw away almost this, at this point, seven years of sobriety for mm-hmm. that one moment, like me drinking is not going to bring my mom back. So what's, what's the point now Right. other than right. Messing up my life more. So um, I just, am staying strong because I know that I have a mission and I have to complete it and I can't complete it. If I I'm um, drinking. So that is why I refuse to go back.
0: And I I respect you again, because, uh, you know, having having the discipline to say, you know, I'm going to do the best that I can to be the best that I can. And, you know, honor um, what has been given to me and the opportunities that have come my way, whether they've been, you know, accidental and nothing's accidental, mm-hmm. but you know, whether they've been accidental or I've bust my butt to make sure it happened. Like, I'm going to do the best that I can to um, be diligent with that. And I respect that because having that discipline, having that that resolution, that strong will is so difficult.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: um, so even, and I really, again, you have opened my eyes to, you um, just what some of my friends who are sober have been going through. And um, I appreciate you for that because it's allowed me to think about, okay, have I been um, welcoming to people um, who have this lifestyle, who are walking this walk? Um, Have I put them in situations that have been uncomfortable and they haven't told me? Mm. Um, You know, it's, it's things like that, especially now after going through this, period of isolation you really want to um, start considering how you treat people well i'm i'm always trying to consider that maybe a little too much but um it was something that really was on my heart and my mind it's just like how do we how do we support people who are walking different lives mm-hmm. you know living different lives what what can we do you know and i'll we'll get back to musical theater soon uh, shortly i promise um but what, how do I phrase this? Um, what are simple things? You know, I think we overcomplicate things with our relationships. What What are the simplest ways that we can support um, folks who are recovering and, and are living the sober life?
1: Yeah. So the most simple way that you can support people who are living a sober life is believe them when they tell you they have a problem when I first became sober, a lot of people were just like, "Uh, are you sure you have a problem? Like, I don't think you have a problem. You know, you're fine. It's because I was functioning. Um, A lot of Mm -hmm. times when people think of alcoholics, they think of a homeless bum they see on the side of the street. But most of the alcoholics are the ones who are showing up to work still, you know, maybe they're not drunk at work, but they're going getting drunk right after work, or they're they're, they're off at five and they start drinking at four. You know, there's just... So many types of alcoholics so when someone comes to you saying they have a problem um believe them and then on top of that supporting them in the sense of um and this isn't for everybody as like I'm an alcoholic it's not your issue but my friends have been so great that if I'm like I can't be around alcohol tonight they'd be like cool we don't have to drink like let's go do something else or you know when I first was becoming sober everybody was so nice and being like hey like we don't have to even like think about, you know, being at bars, mm-hmm. we, we won't drink around you. Like we'll put it away until you're comfortable because I didn't go to brunch for like a year. I had to miss weddings. I, I missed a lot of important events in the first few years of my sobriety because I couldn't handle it, but <clears> my <throat> friends were all very understanding, which I thank them for, because like I said, I missed important moments in people's lives to make sure that essentially i I didn't die because that's you know, I mean the only thing that could really happen in the end of you know my alcoholism is maybe I wouldn't have died a year or two from then, but eventually. So right. um, the biggest thing to me is just supporting and believing and being there and not pressuring someone, you know, not asking them a hundred questions.
0: Mm.
1: Like if someone just says I'm not drinking, okay, cool. <laughs> like we don't have yeah. to do it. <laughs> if they yeah. want to tell you, they will.
0: And, you know, it's so interesting to me, it's not really interesting, but it is kind of interesting in the way that, um, monitoring, monitoring social trends and things, um, my experience with alcohol, while I'm not sober, I tend to, um, I tend to avoid drinking in excessive amounts because I know that, um, there's a, a point that I get to that I'm just like, I'm somebody different. Um, and it's not necessarily that I'm an angry drunk, or that I'm a happy giggly drunk, or I'm a bashful. I'm just different, and something about that difference doesn't necessarily sit well with me. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean that I'm going to that I feel the need to completely abstain, but at the same time, I am one that like understands that I don't need a whole lot to to drink anyway. I'm kind of you know I'm I'm a little slight on the side, you know, and i don't want to have the reputation of being a lightweight and then when things go down or when i'm out in social situations i don't i don't want to be coherent i want to be able to you know be clear and um i don't need to to live that life so i understand in some ways where you're coming from um so support systems absolutely, absolutely important. And um, shout out to your friends, shout out to your support system because they they really are valuable and valued. Along with support systems, um, one of those things being your dreams. I don't want to think of support systems as just people, but your dreams and your aspirations. You've done so many different projects from community theater to uh touring not only for the stage as far as uh, theater but even with a an acapella group <laughs> which is pretty cool vocalosity um can you tell me a little bit about some of the projects that you've done your favorite projects and and the like
1: yeah so um definitely playing effie we already said that I won't go into that again um but like some of my top, top babes would be when I got to perform on the Grammys and sing backup for Sam Smith. Um, that was super cool, just being in that element. And mm. then uh, another favorite of mine is a movie I've always wanted to do. Um, well, I would say TV more than film, but film came first. So yeah. <laughs> um, being in a Netflix film that's on Netflix that's always been my dream and then my mom got to see that so that was amazing it's called the ghost who walks it's still on Netflix if anybody wants to tune in
0: make sure you check it out
1: yeah and then doing um voiceovers I've done like a lot of commercials but um I I'm pursuing cartoons currently and I've done uh, some video games which I never in a million years thought I would be doing video games but- that
0: is so cool <laughs> 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 like from one, from one artist to another because I do like voiceovers for the museum and things but um, uh, uh, ooh, yeah y'all know where I work that's fine <laughs> um, but uh, most of that is geared towards like historical and you know and mm-hmm. anecdotal but like video games man that is so cool like <laughs> I'm sorry I just I'm really enamored with that that's dope
1: no thank you it's like, I just never in a million years thought I would be doing voiceovers. And now my end goal with that is to be a reoccurring cartoon character. Um, you know, and I've been in callbacks and done auditions for cartoon characters. And I haven't landed that cartoon character yet. But, you know, it takes time. And I know that I will eventually get to that point.
0: Um, oh, yeah. There's something waiting for you. It's like right around the corner. We're just going to speak that into existence. Amen.
1: God bless like, And then... Um, <laughs> working on my documentary, I've never been behind the scenes before as I co-directed it. Um, mm. that, wow. The, that whole experience has been like mind boggling and amazing and we're entering it into the 2021, 2022 film festival season. As That's awesome. Um, in the editing process. And I'm actually getting, um, another draft of it, like one of the, the drafts to go over that with my editor and my DP. So, Being on this side, just kind of being like, you know what, I'm going to make a documentary and jumping full head, you know, diving in, literally not knowing a damn thing about how (laughs) to make (laughs) a film. And, but even through doing that, I have like already connected and networked with so many people who have been so helpful. I'm working with three producers, documentary producers now who um, are helping me, just like giving me, that are mentoring me, I should say. Mm. Um, as i'm building my movie um because yeah god is just putting the right people in the right place for me and i'm i'm just very 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 thankful and i can't wait for people to see the final project because i don't think people really even understand what they're about to see um and the work I'm really excited to do it so i hope that it um changes lives
0: I'm really excited to see to to see what will happen and what will come from it, because I know it'll be of quality and of of substance. Um, Really just really excited for that. Um, Mm -hmm. You mentioned mentorship Mm -hmm. and it kind of takes me into the question, you know, how how does it feel to be a black woman in this in this industry, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know that's a very, like, that's a large question to ask, (laughs) because there are so many different things that come with, um, first off, being Black in in entertainment, and then being a woman in entertainment, and then being a Black woman on entertainment. I I can't even fathom all of the intricacies and (laughs) the experiences that are compartmentalized into, you know, one question. (laughs) How do you even begin? But... um, I just wanted to talk about what it was like for you when you were first starting out into this industry. You know, were you, was it just sort of like, I don't know, was it it overwhelming for you? Was it just like a constant game of like trying to find your footing?
1: Yeah, but being a black woman in this industry has been so challenging and being a plus size woman, um, you know, more equality has come about especially, um, as people are just not taking people's crap anymore, you know, there is more representation, but at the end of the day, like being a woman, I'm on the bottom of chain, being on, being a black woman, I'm on another rung below. And then being a plus size black woman, you know, it's Mm. like, Oh, you're the quirky best friend, or you have the funny one-liners. It's like, why can't I be the romantic lead? Why can't someone just fall in love with me for me? kind of situation right right and that's why i love voiceover so much because it's not based on anything but my voice so that is great but it's it's been hard and i'm not going to sit here and pretend like it's been easier to anyone who's about to come into this business who is a black woman like it's it's not easy by any means but they are we have to just keep making noise and i'm in a group called um women of color unite woke U W O C U. and it's just a group of black females um this is how I got my mentorship from these producers and documentaries where we're getting together and we're like yo we're here so when you mm. say oh we couldn't find a black director we couldn't find a a black photographer we couldn't find a black costumer it's like mm, we have a database of a thousand people
0: right um, we're out can, here you just yeah. don't see us
1: you can, you can find somebody and the woman who heads that up Cheryl Bedford she is amazing and um she put this database together and it's free to um, all black women. And they have like celebrities who are also mentors to people. So they're making moves for people and like, we're not laying down and taking it anymore. So we will
0: be heard. That's absolutely amazing. And I, I hope that um, people really invest and investigate that and research and, you know, mm-hmm. find out if, if you're not, a part of the demographic that you at least can support, um, because reparations—let's call it—I <laughs> <laughs> think that it's really important to say, um, like you said, there are roles that are coming out. There are things that are that are more um, nuanced, more in depth, more more mm-hmm. than just the filler. You know, um, do you feel like the Renaissance is being? I hear a lot of people say that it's a renaissance, but do you really feel like that we are just reaching this, this cultural moment where things are evolving past the point of moving back?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's taken a long time and everything that happened, especially this year with like George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor. And I know, Mm -hmm. you know, saying those are the biggest names and, Um, There are other people who did lose their lives, but those are like the big ones that everyone knows and that have pushed this movement. So, so forward that it's Mm. pushing it forward to everything, to workplaces, to corporate America, to um, acting companies, musicians, Mm. like everywhere. People are just realizing like, if you're a real ally, you got to make the space for us. And people are actually making the space, not everybody, but, Right. people are listening and they're doing it and I'm just happy that I am alive to be a part of the time where um, people are making the space and listening to us and I don't have to play a slave like yeah I might be the mm. a funny best friend but at least I'm not you know um,
0: subservient
1: yeah like I love Hattie McDaniel and everything she did and you know she's the first black woman to win um, an academy award but you know like not to call an Ann Jemima, but that's I mean, essentially what she had to be, you know. Right. And, um, and then not- after that,
0: <laughs> there were so few opportunities for her. You know, yeah. they it and I don't want to say they as in like all white people, but you know, the white people in power who were able to make choices that could have benefited her future, mm-hmm. chose not to. And that that is that complacency that um I feel has been in a lot of allyship lately, um, but is you know, starting to get phased out, and thankfully so, because I, you know everybody gets tired, everybody gets um, weary from going through the same old motions, and nobody really benefits from white supremacy. Not even white people. Right. Let's 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 lay it out there. Not even white people benefit from white supremacy. Yeah. Um. So keeping that in mind, you know, the first step to undoing some of these structures is to really, like you said, make way for these people, for these these narratives, for these perspectives, and not just make way for them, but listen to them, support them, mm-hmm. understand them. Yes. And then work with them. Um, which is so it's so cool to see and hear that other women of color are taking up leadership and they're supporting and mentoring other other women of color. Ooh, mm-hmm. I can talk, I promise. <laughs> um, but also, you know, I think about how much, I don't want to say how much further, but, like, think about how much art could have already happened, how much feeling and character and independent, coherent thought could have happened had these doors been opened sooner, mm-hmm. and it doesn't really, like, do us a whole lot of good to, like, dwell on all of that, I know, yeah. but um, I think that's, It's important to acknowledge that for people who are our allies like you understand that this is a constant thing until we actively and completely dismantle white supremacy um, is going to permeate into everything, including entertainment, including our relationships, including um, just how we understand and communicate with each other. Ooh, child. I didn't mean to <laughs> I didn't mean to go off into that. So wait a minute. Like that. <laughs> Write it in real quick. Write it in. Um I thought me sometimes. It really do, you know, you just gotta. You, you, I think one thing that Corona, not to bring it back to Corona, but, you know, she she a big girl that left an impression on all of us. She had her foot on all of our necks for a minute. Yep. Um, <laughs> so I think it's important to acknowledge her and her impact. Um, that being said, experiencing all that we have during this pandemic and, like you said, everything coming to a head, we're past the point where we can look away or past the point of ignoring and I think that's also being reflected in our art and I'm so glad that it's being done in a way that is edifying and uplifting because like you said it's it's hard to be that slave role it's hard to be that that stereotype it's hard to um be (laughs) these things that are just shells of who we actually actually are Mm -hmm. Um, yeah okay so I do this thing um, in my interviews where I always, I, I ask for advice and I, the advice that I give is for your past self. And then also for anyone out there that's wanting to break into your industry. So let's start with, um, your past self, if you could give your advice, give yourself advice, what is the advice that you think would really just sit with you the most?
1: Yeah, I would say advice to give my past self would be, you know, explore other options earlier, don't wait. You know, I only started exploring like commercial voiceover, all that stuff when I like kind of had a lull in uh, musical theater. And I would also tell myself like, there were so many times in my career when I wouldn't leave and go on a trip because I was worried about missing an audition or missing a callback or doing something. And I would Mm -hmm. tell myself, go on the trip because you weren't gonna book it anyway. You were going to, you know what I mean? Like sure. so much as younger actors, we get so scared that like, we're going to miss out on that moment. But I, at this point, I refuse to miss out on life. And I still have friends who are my age and older who, you know, will just be like, no, I can't leave. Because I'm like, what if, what if, what if? And I'm like, no, I'm not living baby, like that anymore.
0: Baby, <laughs> that was a word right there. <laughs> like, that was a word.
1: Yeah. Go live your life. And that's why when that movie Soul came out, I know people had mixed reviews about it, but I was like, this is what I've been I loved it. to tell people. I'm like, yeah. go live your freaking life because you don't want to look back at 60 and be like, I missed that trip to Greece with my friends because I was worried about missing a week of auditions and you didn't book anything anyway, so.
0: <laughs> At least you saved money.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> so,
0: go um, have those yeah.
1: memories, just go have them, who cares?
0: And, okay, so Loki, that question was honestly, yeah, that's everything. <laughs> I, I definitely was like, I've been working so much and like, you know, after isolation, I was like I'm literally trapped in my room inside of these four walls and I'm going crazy <laughs> um, So yeah, very much live your life obviously be safe and you know wear a mask and or a couple of masks and yeah. um, go from there but yeah, live your life that is definitely something that resonates with me um. And was that the, I guess that was the advice that you said that you would give yourself, but it also yeah. applies to other people, so.
1: Yeah, it applies to everybody.
0: <laughs> Amen. Um, last thing, and I'll, I'll, we can outro after this, but how um, have you been creatively feeding yourself during these these small times? Like, are you, are you reading or is there something that you just do to just kind of break up the mon- monotony?
1: Um, well, for me, I became a hardcore activist on the front lines. I haven't been able to do as much just because everything that happened with my mom in December, I kind of just fell back from a lot. Sure. Uh, But, you know, I'm excited to get back out there because, yes, uh, you know, we might have changed some things in government, but our work is still nowhere near done. So 100%. I will not be done um, being on these streets. And also um, I sing in a lot of protests. So that's been very creative for me. And my documentary mm-hmm. has been very creative for me. And then um, I also started a sobriety club on the app clubhouse, which um,
0: I see you pop up every now and again. I'll be watching. <laughs> I'll be
1: watching. <laughs> yes. I am the founder of that club. So that,
0: that's really awesome. It has
1: been a whirlwind, how quickly it's grown and what it's become. And I just am so happy to help people stay sober and connect with people. And, um, I'm also going to be running a hundred mile race in June. So okay. there's just, you know, a lot on the horizon that I kind of forgot about with, you know, everything that happened these past few months, but mm-hmm. I bought a new planner March 1st. We're, we're getting back in gear and because hey. so I, I cannot let life pass me by any more than it already has.
0: Sure. Yeah. And again, you know, this has been the time where we really had to adjust and then we came out just, just more determined to like live our life. You know, we can fight about rights and we can fight about freedom and argue and do whatever we want, Mm
1: -hmm. but until
0: we actively put in the work to make sure that we're securing those things, you know, nothing is really going to change and, um. Thank you for speaking to that in so many different ways. Um, from walking your your journey through sobriety and with sobriety to um, shout now Black Lives Matter on the street. You know mm-hmm. is is everything that that we do in this life is a form of protest to something. And um, I'm thankful and um, pleased to know that people like you are choosing to use that protest to edify and uplift the people that's really really dope yes well um (laughs) is there anything that you want to shout out like do you want to give people your socials or um you know promote your um okay whenever you're ready
1: (laughs) (laughs) my social you can follow me on instagram twitter it's at natalie a or good lord a it is at natalie the at sign n a t t a l y e e, and if you want to follow my documentary that I'm making called "The Race Against Race" and everything that I'm doing with activism, you can follow me at at fifty five zero mile run for justice protest. That is five zero mile run for justice protest. And if you are looking to join Clubhouse and you're sober or sober curious, um, we accept all pathways. So you can look that up at sobriety underscore clubhouse. Um, And we also have a website, www.thesobrietyclubhouse.com.
0: Natalie, thank you so much for joining us on The Reg. Your story is inspiring and it's really been a joy to talk to you and to just um, listen to you and your experiences and and, um, just soak it all in. General reminder that Natalie and her friend uh, Diamond Essence White, who we also hope to interview at some point, um, will be teaching or hosting a acting through song webinar. um, That will be Saturday, March 6th at 12 p.m. Central Standard Time. And uh, there are participant and observer tickets available. Um, If you would like to find out more information about that webinar, check the description box. Um, And as always, thank you so much for listening.